Welcome to the Revenge of the Dreamer, episode three. Um, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, um, this is a live show that we started doing. Uh, our first two episodes weren't live, but we're going to start going live now for all our episodes. They'll all be um, uploaded on our SoundCloud, so please make sure to follow us on SoundCloud below. iTunes will be coming soon. We also have some social media links below. Um, but yeah, this is a show where me and Anna kind of just sit down and react to some current events and some news and um yeah just some you you guys will see so um but yeah the first story i wanted to cover is uh basically this i know it's kind of old but it's this christian pastor who goes to a mall and basically tells all these kids that there's no santa claus i know this is old you know this we're in january already but i just think you know the topic of Santa Claus, I just wanted to talk about it real quick just to start, you know, mm-hmm. this new episode. It's so, um, so yeah, let's watch this and react. Hi, it's Pastor Dave Grisham here for Last Frontier Evangelism. And uh, today we're at the mall in Amarillo, Texas, and we're going to tell the children here today the truth that there is no Santa Claus and that it's, Christmas is about Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins. And Jesus was born in a manger 2016 years ago. So here we go. We're going to tell them the truth. Uh. <laughs> Folks, my name is Pastor David. Folks. Kids, I want to tell Folks. you today that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Santa Claus does not exist. The Christmas season is about Jesus. <laughs> Look at everybody's reaction. Jesus was born 2016 years ago. He was born in a manger in a small town called Bethlehem. And that's the truth about Christmas. The man you're going to see today is just a man in a suit dressed up like Santa, but Santa does not exist. So first of all, look at like look at everyone's reactions. Everyone's just like, like freaked out like they're all scared. They're all scared, they but don't it, know what to do. they don't know what to do. But I just feel like <laughs> his his purpose, like like even if okay, so you believe that you know you adamantly want people to see you know how you your opinion on it, but it's like don't you think that like just like seeing through your phone like people's scared reactions, you're freaking like little kids out, you know? <laughs> you don't think like the little kids are seeing this guy like what the hell is he doing? Like really, you know? Santa's not real. And parents, y'all need to stop lying to your children and telling them that Santa Claus is real when in fact he's not. When you substitute the lie of Santa Claus in the heart of your child for the truth of Jesus Christ, you are bearing false witness against God. Don't lie to your children and tell them there's such a thing as Santa when you know in reality that there are no flying reindeer, there is no workshop of the North Pole, there is no elves making toys, that you buy all the gifts and put them under the tree, that's all the truth. And there is no real Santa Claus. There is no Santa. Yeah, that is enough. Like, he it is not your place to lie to He's your He's just children. repeating it because it's like Tell no one cares. Jesus Christ. Hey. Like you're bothering people in the mall. Like people want to have a good day. Is all about. That it's about Jesus and it's not about Santa Claus. There is no Santa Claus. There is no Santa Claus. It's about Jesus. Tell them the truth. 
Sir, don't put your hands on and Go on. Quit put talking this mess. Do you understand me? Put, keep now your stop. hands to yourself. I got my kids over there. We don't need you coming over here blabbing whatever the hell you blabbing. I'm telling so them the on. truth. That there go. is no Santa Claus. Now, go. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. You need to keep your hands to yourself, sir. Don't this guy's doing a social justice right here. And don't come over here and tell your children the truth. That there is no Santa Claus. That's not your decision for me to tell my kids what's the truth and what's not. The truth is there is no Santa Claus. There is no Santa. And Christmas is about Jesus. And the parents are The parents are all right with lying to their kids. Yeah. Not your decision maker. That's a sin. It's a sin in the eyes of God. Kids, there is no Santa. Santa's not real. Your there parents are lying to you. Don't believe it. There is a Santa. Y'all have a Dude, nice day. Trying to punch him. Yeah. I don't think he's, he's trying to crack his fingers so he doesn't punch him. I don't think he's trying to punch him. I think he's just trying to. I don't know. He's just cracking his knuckles. I don't think he's trying to punch him. But maybe like um. Like intimidate him. Intimidate him. I don't think. I forgot that word. I don't think he's trying to intimidate him. I think he's. First of all. So, did you, like, grow up believing in Santa Claus? To a certain point, I did. Maybe, like, uh, till I was six, five, six, I believed. But I believed in not, it wasn't an illusion or a fantasy. It was more like the Santa at the mall, like they're going to see right there. So I believed that, you know, yeah, I was going to see it, it was an event, and that's it, you know, like, I, it so wasn't, you, like, a fantasy. So you didn't believe in, like, Santa Claus coming to your house and, like, driving? No. Your parents didn't, wouldn't, like, tell you we that? We did something, like, uh, stocking on the window, that's what we would do. We would fill up, like, a real shoe, not, like, a stocking, like, American But did you believe, you know, like, literally Santa Claus or someone was coming? At one point, I'm sure I did, but mm, I was really little, like those kids. I feel like I, I don't know, I guess when I was a I didn't kid, have a chimney, I didn't have those things, so no, I didn't. I didn't have a chimney I did either. believe on that bunny because, you know, one Easter, my mom actually, like, with whatever, like, uh, baking soda, whatever powder she used, and she made the markings of the little toes. So at that, that day, I believed, like, an Easter, the bunny, and all that, but I don't really remember uh, believing in Santa, like, you know, being older than, like, seven. I remember believing. I remember, like, I guess the same age, like, till I was, like, five years old. Like, my parents, like, I didn't have a chimney either. Like, I obviously grew up in, you know, Florida. It's really hot, and there's no real chimneys here. Some houses have chimneys, but most don't. So, but they would, they would still tell me that, like, yeah, Santa Claus was coming and leaving presents. And, you know, obviously till I was five years old, and I, I figured out about it. But, like, the reason I ask you that is, like, okay, so... Like what it's if it's not a big deal? I like know. what if a dude like yeah, but if you're a kid, like what if a, a, a some some dude like in the mall is like, I feel like he's trying to like break some conspiracy. Like you know, it's like this big thing like telling the kids like there's the Santa Claus. Like what harm is that doing? Even if people believe in it, yeah. Like I, I remember, I remember growing up in, uh, you know, when my uh, dad was Jehovah's Witness, yeah. he would, they basically the Jehovah's Witness people, they believe in. They don't believe that Christmas is like a, a good holiday to celebrate and they're against it. And like my sister had like a picture of when she had uh, went to take the picture with Santa Claus at the mall and her friend that went to that church saw mm -hmm. it and she was like, oh, Santa Claus is evil. He doesn't exist. And he, tr he tricks children. 
and I think my sister was like seven and eight years old, but she was obviously too. Like, like my mom told me that, and it was just so like appalling, like so crazy. Yeah. I just feel like, like who cares? Like, is that such a big deal that you know, like people want to like associate? People are gonna associate whatever they want with that holiday. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if they want to say it's Jesus, then say it's Jesus. Obviously, they'll grow if up it's, and for some people it's all about presents it's not even about santa but it's all about like shopping and the whole experience oh, yeah. so well i feel like when you have such i mean it's probably like the biggest holiday ever that you know we obviously went through um you know that happens every year it's the biggest holiday and people are gonna make what they want like yeah some people make it about presents some people like i don't make it about presents it's about me it's about family hanging out and like togetherness and like appreciation like Mm -hmm. it's all about that right but i just i just found like a funny video of this guy doing this it's like okay so you're doing some great deed by telling the world and you know spilling the truth to these kids that there's no santa claus like what are you doing you know Mm -hmm. so i I just thought that was funny that was funny i mean you know you can see the little kids and the parents reacting so next no makeup movement is great so next so next if topic you're young here, and rich that's true so yeah title of this um article the no makeup movement is great if you're young and rich so this is an interesting topic i wanted to talk about with you because um you know i feel like women you know they have i feel like every woman every every woman excuse me um wears makeup yeah. um to an extent so well 75 percent of women you know, 70, there you go, 75%. So most women, mm-hmm. obviously. So I just wanted to re, uh, read this article about the no makeup movement, which started getting popular. I think it was maybe 2015 or last year or two years ago. You know, it started getting some traction. And uh, Alicia Keys was like the first one that was like, you told me like, oh yeah, she's doesn't wear makeup anymore because, you know, she doesn't want to do not that. that she doesn't wear makeup anymore she talked about it it's not that she's totally against it she wouldn't ever wear it again it's just that she took that break you know of realizing it was good for her skin and the whole movement where you can still be confident without makeup sure and i think that's your second point is uh the important thing like you can be confident without makeup yeah. i feel like that's obviously why you know, this was a movement, you know, it's a, it's a, it's has a deeper meaning, right. And mm-hmm. then the skin. So I just wanted to read some excerpts here. Um, let me see here. So yeah, Alicia, Alicia Keys created buzz when she announced she was quitting makeup in late May. Um, so yeah, May of, you know, 2016, not in her daily life, but on the red carpet and as a judge on the voice eliciting how brave comments on Twitter and beauty sites, um, Kim Kardashian followed suit in early October, appearing at Paris Fashion Week with just moisturizer and lip balm. Um, also, Gwyneth Paltrow also did it. Um, wow. Although celebrities glow is a result of various skin treatments and mm-hmm. natural-looking balms, lotions, and serums, yeah. their fresh-faced aesthetic isn't all that unusual. New York women have embraced the makeup-free trend over the past year, either dishing powders and creams altogether or seriously paring down their look, although getting that look can be time-consuming and come at a hefty price, especially if you're not an A-lister or a dewy-faced 20-something. Um, so let me see here. So a lot of these uh, people who are doing the No Makeup Challenge, they have to. They still have a... a in order to do it, they say they have a good skincare regimen, 
um, you know, this uh, this anesthetician who works for Celebrity Facialist says that she started regular facials at age 13, wear, rarely wears makeup, uh, thanks to an intensive routine that includes a $100 oil-based rejuvenating serum and $75 brightening face mask. Mm-hmm. She says more friends and clients are following suit. It's about authenticity, adding that a woman feels more like herself when her skin, rather than a face full of foundation, is on display. Yeah. People more so than ever are focused on skin being the story rather than the makeup because you want to feel like yourself. She's treated... People want to look as glowing as possible. They want to look like their skin is nice and tight, and they want to look like their skin is poreless, a natural glow that's hard to mimic with foundation and other makeup. So yeah, it's uh, this, you know, it's an anesthetician who's having success, you know, doing no makeup. And I guess it's interesting to see where it's going to go. Plus, uh, the makeup that women rely on, on their skin can make it their skin look worse in the long run clogging pores and causing acne Um, if someone wears makeup it's evident right away she sees the bad complexion in two seconds Um, and when her clients ditch makeup she says her their skin texture smooths out on its own Um, whether using costly serums or just soap and water feeling confident without makeup can be daunting especially with years of sun cigarettes and other causes of aging take their toll so yeah you know obviously skin ages i feel like you know that's the point of makeup right is to kind of like smooth your face and like you know especially older women you know with like wrinkles and stuff that too yeah so it's made for all ages they you know but i don't know it's just that i you know i believe that makeup ages you it's not it's it's like well it's well it's true i mean it does age you it ages your skin at least it's worse for you than the benefits right yeah so she says with her client when they want to go makeup free for a big event she starts preparing them at least a month in advance clients come in uh first for a cleansing triple crown facial which is $550 for 60 minutes and LED light therapy which Mm. is $150 for 20 minutes Mm. this boosts collagen production and fights inflammation and acne acne. before beginning radio frequency facials which is $850 for 90 minutes with her and then she'll also have them slap on a $75 uh, brightening face mask right before a big event Um, and then she has some VIP customers with $300 to $600 facials. Um, of course, these are like celebrity clients, you know, people making like red carpet appearances and stuff. So, um, she says here. So this client of hers, which is the uh, founder, 50-year-old founder of this website, uh, Inside F.A. and B., says wearing make she rarely wear wears makeup but doesn't feel the need to splurge on skincare treatment i used to be an ivory soap girl um now i rinse my face with cool water moisturize and wear sunscreen nothing extreme um she doesn't go makeup free for empowerment because i've always felt i was always perfectly pretty without makeup it's simple and simplifies my life by not wearing makeup there's less to fuss with mm-hmm, that's true um, let me see. Less time. 
yeah it's less to fuss with let me see here oh no that wasn't the so yeah some some women they want to do it because it's uh you know to empower in them and feel confident without it and then some people they don't want to wear it because it's less of a hassle it's less you know what you got to do um even though yeah this doctor this uh you know who provides services for clients are obviously women who are already wearing makeup so it's like okay don't wear makeup for a month and then a month before your event and then let's do these all these treatments so it's mm -hmm. obviously very expensive stuff you know like a-list celebrities who are going to be on the red carpet um but i know that you started you know kind of wearing less makeup and you were the one that talked to me about the no makeup movement do you feel like you do it because of your skin, like, or confidence? Like, what's your opinion on that overall, well, especially with, you know, young girls and growing up and, you know, wanting to use makeup, you know, very young? Yeah, so for me, I started wearing makeup when I was 13 years old. About 13, yeah, yeah, 13, 14 years old. And I enjoyed it. And that's what a lot of girls talk about too, you know, like beauty gurus on YouTube they you know say they really enjoy the process and i totally agree with that like i enjoy the process of doing makeup like it's fun and you can see how it makes you look you can see the difference it's different looks it's just like fashion you know but there is the problem where you know yeah it's toxic there's a lot of chemicals you know um i heard it's like about five pounds of chemicals per year that your skin absorbs so that's something that I started, you know, like to worry about. So now I do wear less makeup. I wear like, um, I wear a really lightweight concealer under my eyes, you know, around my, around my skin where I have discoloration, where I have acne, acne, um, marks, you know, like dark spots from acne. So I just cover that with my concealer and then I use powder over it. I use bronzer. I'm kind of trying to use up what I have and then just not buy like, you know, a bronzer if I'm not going to, you know, be using bronzer or blush, you know, I won't like repurchase, you know, because yeah, it's a lot of money, you know, to buy makeup and I feel like Well, it's, you know, a billion dollar industry exactly. every year and you know, so many companies, so many stores. Um. Exactly. But then again, uh, I've had many points where I went into Sephora or Ulta and I had to choose between buying makeup or buying skincare products. So, you know, I really, yeah, that's the perspective I have now, you know, especially, you know, from, you know, looking at this. Yeah, it's better to invest in improving your skin than to just buy what's going to cover up that moment and then it's going to with time and long term it's going to ruin your skin you know so that's how i look at it now i try to you know you see me i don't spend too much on skincare but i try to get masks even you know masks drugstore masks you know to treat my skin like um i try to do it once a week sometimes i do go about a week or two without doing it and that's when my skin um acts up and my skin acts up because sometimes I also, you know, trying to be honest here, I also sleep with makeup a lot of the times, uh, a lot of times more than I should. So that's so bad because your skin is, it rejuvenates overnight and it's, you know, repairing, it's doing its job overnight. 
So you're not supposed to be wearing makeup because if you're wearing makeup, then it clogs up your pores. It doesn't let your skin do what it's supposed to do. And then when you remove it the next day, your skin just looks dull, dry, and horrible. So I totally agree with all of this. I agree. So what do you think about, though, like, uh, you know, I think you were the one who told me earlier. um, Like you don't just cut out things? Well, not that. It's just that makeup with certain, you know, women, they don't feel confident without makeup. Like, they can't go outside if they don't have some type of makeup on because they think they look, you know, ugly or they don't look beautiful. Well, then, okay. My advice would be to still wear mascara. Like, they did still wear moisturizer, balms, all those things, but cut down at least your one thing, foundation. Because another thing I've noticed that you know, trend that was trending at a point on YouTube with beauty gurus, they were doing the, um, the year before it was the foundation routine. Like my foundation routine was trending now, right? With this movement, what happened? What was trending? The no foundation makeup routine. So it's what I was saying. So now what people want to do is just wear concealer, cover up here and there, maybe wear a little powder and that's it. People, they don't want foundation, you know, so that's why, you know, it's either stop wearing foundation or just use something more natural with less chemicals. Mm, hard to find. You know, right. don't, can't find, you know, because you remember, I try to find, and you just can't, you can't find a good foundation that's not fully loaded with chemicals. Right. Yeah, so we'll see how, how this goes. I think it's really interesting. I think, uh, you know, sometimes... So, you know, some girls, they go out and they don't wear makeup and then they're like, oh, like people have a reaction and they're like, oh, like you look weird or you look like yes. ugly or they, oh, yes. you look like sad or like people say sick. like, oh yeah, so that's what people say. They say you look sick mm-hmm. if you don't wear it. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like, like it's Or even crying or something. I don't know. Because some people have redness. Some people have dark eyes. So yeah, you'll get reactions like, oh, you look tired, you look sick, you look like you're crying. Yeah, well, makeup, it's for that. Makeup is to cover up all those, you know, imperfections and, you know. Yeah. So. And what's interesting, too, for me, I know a lot of people who don't wear makeup. You know, like my cousin. I have a cousin who's more, you know, maybe mascara here and there, eyebrows, but she doesn't really wear foundation, you know. I have friends, I had a a boss, you know, that never even knew anything about makeup because never wore makeup, never got into it. And I always admire that because it's like, yeah, you're used to it now. You're used to seeing yourself like that. But me, if I try to cut it out now, it would be like, yeah, shocking. It would be shocking to you. The other day, my aunt was like, whoa, you look really different without makeup. And, and she reacted like that. And I was laughing about it. I said, you see? Because you're calling me ugly. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're reacting and it's a big difference. People notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. people notice. So I just think it's interesting with how people might be, you know, learning about it and seeing different perceptions. So yeah. I thought that was a, you know, just an interesting thing. So we'll see where it goes, you know. Um, next topic here. Um, I don't really... Everything so yeah, she everything Kim Kardashian West has shared since her return to social media. So this is a big event. Yep. Kim Kardashian basically came back to social media. I want I'm not going to be talking about Kim Kardashian all the time, but there's a reason um, I'm talking about this now. Yeah. Basically, she was involved in 
Um, I think you might be able to even tell better than me. But basically, she was involved in a, a robbery in Paris where they stole her jewelry. And she was held up at gunpoint. And obviously, very frightening, very traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Everyone went crazy. Um, obviously, I mean, her family obviously worrying about her. Um, and after that, you know, she, Kim Kardashian is, you know, the queen of social media. She's, mm-hmm. you know, that's where she's, you know, was it basically grew her empire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it was very, I think for the first time, she stopped using social media just all together after that robbery. Because I think, you know, because of the robbery, it was due to her, you know, showing those jewelries off in social media. Um, so basically, you know, she kind of shared... Uh, let me. Play. Oh yeah, you're right. I, I forgot about that. I now that you said that, I remember her showing the big diamonds that she was shopping for. That's what I read about when it happened. Oh. So when the robbery happened, I think it was like two months ago, three months ago, right? I didn't think about that. So yeah, and basically they speculated that because she was showing them off, and the, the robbers knew exactly where to go because she was showing it off on social media. Um. Let me read this real quick. After taking an extended break from social media and her par- from in the wake of her terrifying Paris robbery, um, Kim Kardashian officially returned to various platforms to share family snapshots. Um, the reality superstar broke her at silence on Tuesday with two family-centric posts on her website and Instagram, and that in, in the days since has shared quite a few more glimpses into her life post-robbery. Um, updating Twitter and Instagram... Posted a, she also posted a home video of her family featuring her husband, Kanye West, and her kids. Um, you know, obviously her fans were happy with that. She just captioned this picture here. She captioned it family. Um, the next day, she posted another photo just saying, this is my son, or my son. Um, and then she officially returned to Snapchat after that, yeah. uh, just posting some, you know, some random pictures. Um yeah but basically I remember there was like an interview you know there was an interview of her and she was saying how you know she because of social media you, you know she there's dangers of it and obviously this was a danger like you know the robbers they knew exactly what to go after and I basically wanted to cover this to, to pose a question to you. Do you think social media can be dangerous sometimes, um, you know, especially to people with millions of followers and people constantly oh, yeah. watching them, you know? You can't put that information out there. You can't put, like, certain things you have to keep private because you never know who's watching. You never know who's willing to go rob you or go kill you or stalk you. But I feel There's like... There's a risk. There's a risk, right. But what do you say to people who, you know, we, we were born in a time before cell phones, before the internet, before social media, and there's kids growing up um, now who are, they use it very loosely and they document everything. And even though you might be able to say like, oh, it, yeah, you can't share this and you can't share that. And those kids are people they might not know that they might not know that they could share those things you know like there's many people who lose their jobs and things happen to them because they post idiotic stuff on social media or mm-hmm. you know hateful stuff that employers find out about mm-hmm. um so do you in in another way another topic you know 
the dangers of it. I mean, there's been you're, they've had experiments that show that um, you can use like facial recognition software. You can find people's Facebook and Instagram and social media websites. And when you use those, you can post your location, you can post where you were. And some people who post all the time, they were able to like basically catch up with them and they were able to find those people because of just following them on social media. Like as soon as they would post a picture and see the location, they would go after them and they would like go find them. And they post like these YouTube uh, like experiments of them finding people who just using their Instagram. And I feel like this is kind of weird how that can happen. And if you're someone famous, anyone can kind of go after you if you're not careful. Yeah. You know? I agree. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, it's interesting, um, you know, how she took a break from social media. And because of social media and all these platforms, um, you know, they were able to, to do things like that. They were able to rob her. So mm-hmm. I just think it's 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 interesting. Like, you know, if you search, like, uh, you know, Instagram experiment or finding people using their Instagram, you can literally see people, like, finding people because of their, you know, Snapchat, because of their social media. Snapchat more than ever because Snapchat, you know, you're posting that. It's 24 hours. You know, your post disappears. So Snapchat... You know, if you see someone post right away, that's where you know that they're there at that moment, yeah. like at that very moment, you know? And I feel like that presents even more of like always being current, always being like up to date, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's for someone like her, it's good to take a break from social media anyway. I think for anyone, you know, like it's so um, fast paced. It's so, it's, I mean, everyone needs a break now and then you know like a couple weeks you know if you're someone i don't know like i think she took what two months right so yeah that's a lot for someone like her that's good yeah two months is what you need yeah for someone who posts every day and i feel like it's just the current state of how people live you know like you you know your first reaction was oh you got to be careful what you post and you can't do this but I feel like a lot of people growing up and a lot of kids growing up today, it's social media is just a part of their life. And they're, you know, they're growing up with it, that fast pacedness, you know, their life is different than ours because, you know, and, and generations before them are going to be different because they're growing up with even crazier social media. It evolves so much. Platforms to, in two years can become, you know, non-existent like Snapchat to become the hottest shit and what everyone is using and something like snapchat like i said where it's constant 24 hours and because of that you know people you're constantly keeping up with it if you don't keep up with it then you know you're not going to know what people are doing or you're not going to know and you're not going to see what people are doing every day and constantly you know Mm -hmm. so it's a different world that i feel like society has created yes so i i I do feel it's good take a break i feel it's good for people to um it's, I feel like it's good for people to. Uh, no, no, don't put that. I feel like it's good for people to take a break and realize, you know, the kind of like the world we live in. So, mm-hmm. uh, let me see here.
So moving on from that topic into I like into kind of saying what I was saying, how social media has just become like a just a normal part of life now, and it's our life. Um, Donald Trump is being inaugurated at the end of this month. I don't really want to talk about you know politics, but I just want to talk about kind of what this means, like. Whatever your opinion of Donald Trump is, whether you hate him, whether you love him, you voted for him, didn't vote for him, despise him, whatever your opinion of him is, I just wanted to bring this interesting topic up about our current state of the world. And I feel like when you have big events like elections, sometimes those presidents represent like product, they're like figureheads of our time. And I feel like more than ever, more than ever more than any other time someone the president is a reflection of our society today and our world today what do i mean by that it's the first time you have a reality show host someone who has no someone who has no affiliation you know with you know politics and the army you know it's the first time someone has actually not come from military experience or political experience um going into politics Mm -hmm. and uh this is the reason why i wanted to just people are going to look back in history books and i feel like if they're going to look at anything if if people 50 years from now or you know even eight years from now four years from now if you're going to look back at anything in any history book at any point of time you should be looking back at these words and what I'm about to talk about. So he had an interview here with uh, Time Magazine. Oh, no, no, 60 Minutes. He did have an interview with Time Magazine, but this is the 60 Minutes interview. So something that he said here I want to talk about. Um, so this the interviewer basically asks him about uh, something he said on Twitter. Obviously, he's known for having a very public Twitter account, saying crazy things, and I feel like, you know, people react to it, people go crazy, people have an opinion, and because of that, I feel like he fed the media machine, he fed our world. And he says here, um, she's asking him about a tweet, and he says, uh, she says, are you gonna be tweeting when uh, whatever you're upset about just put out there when you're president? Um, and he said, uh, well, it's a modern form of communication between Facebook and Twitter, I guess Instagram. I have 28 million people. And she says, so are you going to keep it up? Keep it up? And he said, it's a great form of communication. Now do I say I'll give it up entirely and throw it out? That's a tremendous form. I pick up. I'm picking up now. I think I picked up yesterday 100,000 people. I'm not saying I love it, but it does get the word out when you give me a bad story or when you give me an inaccurate story or when someone other than you and another network or whatever, because of course CBS would do something like that. I have a method of fighting back that's very tough. And then she asks again, but are you going to do that as president? He says, I'm going to be restrained. If I use it at all, I'm going to do, a, I'm going to. I'm going to do it very restrained. I find it tremendous. It's a modern form of communication. There should be nothing you should be ashamed of. It's where it's at. I do believe this. I really believe that the fact that I have such 
much power in terms of numbers with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I think it helped me win all of these races where they're spending much more money than I spent. You know I spent my money, a lot of money, and I won. I think that social media has more power than the money they spent. And I think that maybe to a certain extent, I prove that. So those are powerful words. And I wanted to focus in, I wanted to focus in on those words because basically, like I said, if people are gonna look back in history, this is the first time that you have a presidential candidate who openly, admittedly, is in his interview, someone who made it to the White House, is saying that he used social media platforms to win his presidency. When other people spent all this money, of course, in this case, Hillary Clinton, you know, had you know, tons and tons of money donated to her. He had donations as well, but not as much as her. He was able to rile up a more passionate group of people. He was able to get those people to come vote for him when she was not. And I feel like he was able to do that because he's saying it himself. He was able to do it because of social media. And I feel like that's crazy. In his time, in, in his interview with Time Magazine for Person of the Year, he said, uh, he was he, he was like, oh, she, you know, Hillary, she had Jay-Z and Beyonce to fill up stadiums. And I filled up those stadiums, no problem, just by myself. And that's true. And he said, all together, all his social media platforms equaled 28 people. And I feel like it's a very powerful statement, you know, for people to really kind of perceive. It, it's, it's weird. When people are, ex we're experiencing history, we're experiencing a different time. Now you have someone who's using social media to win the White House. I feel like eight years ago, four years ago, I never even fathomed something like that and I just feel like whatever your opinion of him is you need to recognize that we live in a different world and our world is changing constantly just like we were talking about social media with Kim Kardashian social media is just an everyday part of our life people are growing up with it people use it differently but the younger and younger generations are more using it more and more and more often right and because of that if you're gonna, if people in people in the future are gonna look back, Donald Trump, he's just a product of our time. He's a product of the world we live in, the social media world we live in, and I feel like it has an impact greater that most people don't really grasp or can't even fathom. You know? Yeah. What do you think? I know. I agree. It's like um, it's new, but I feel like it was this. How you were saying this is the most it's ever been like this. Um, I remember it being like that when Obama was elected too, you know, I feel like, it, you know, that's what black people wanted. That's what black people needed, you know? So that's why well, he was a black first black. So well, there was a, a, whole yeah, a lot thing of, of him too, you know, well, popularity and... He was very popular because, yeah, and he was the first black president. A lot of black people did vote for him just because of that reason. Exactly. Some people didn't do it not just because of that reason. Um, but I feel like what's even greater is, like I said, yes, Obama was the first black president and it, he's, he was a reflection of our time, the progress that mm -hmm. we made, yeah. you know, the progress we made is that we can look past race, we can look past color and have a black president. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's very important and it's very, um, interesting. It's, it's, it's a, pro, it's a progression of our society, 
right? Um, but I feel like now with Donald Trump, like I said, whatever your opinion of him is, whatever your opinion of him is, I feel like the most important quote that you can get of him in these transcripts and in these interviews mm -hmm. is the first president who's using social media to win the White House. And you have also Obama who, you know, sometimes it's not his own words, but he uses social media and tweets it. And like you have these, you know, presidents years ago that we studied in history class, our current presidents are using these platforms as the modern form of communication, the modern form of reaching uh, people out there. And in this year or last year, rather 2016, you had someone like him use those platforms to achieve the presidency. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just I want people to think about that more. I want people to just really whatever your opinion of him is, just know that he's just a product of our time. He's a product of the world we live in. He used the police platforms that everybody uses. People don't watch TV anymore. More and more younger people are abandoning TV. They're not watching the news. They're watching you know, they're, they're getting the news, what's catered to them, what's on their phone, what's on their tablet. They're going after what is what they want. You know, I think there was like a thing that came out that said most people get, or like a lot of people get like all their news from Facebook, you know, from Facebook. A lot of people use Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Everyone is using these platforms not to communicate, not, not only to communicate and to get out there and to, you know, talk to people and connect with people all over the world, but also to get their news from. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's just, it's crazy. It's just, it's just a crazy time we live in, mm -hmm. you know? I know, it changed so fast. Yeah, it's constantly changing. So, mm -hmm. and I feel like who knows where it's gonna come from now. Like, you know, we see technology progressing so fast, you know, and home, you know, home automation is what's next. Voice activation, like Amazon and Google Home, that's what's gonna be the normal way of life five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, everything is going to be voice activated. Our homes are going to be smart homes. They're mm -hmm. all going to be our, we're going to have smart cars, smart everything. And it's just going to be our, it's going to become closer and closer to our lives, mm -hmm. whether you hate it or love it, um, as time goes by, as the years go by. So I, I just think it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. It is, but let's just not get one of those for a long time, as long <laughs> as we can. Sure. All right, so let's see what's next here. Okay. So this is, uh, let me go here. All right, so this is an interesting article I wanna talk about. Um, is white people doing yoga cultural ap appropriation? So if you don't know what cultural appropriation is, um, I guess well, he'll try to, he'll, he'll chime in here. Um, for readers concerned with global order and toxic presidential race or sputtering economy, uh, yoga has now been added to the ever lengthening list of cultural appropriations, uh, which may not seem worthy of even a second glance. Um, there was a story broken in the Ottawa Sun last fall that students at the University of Ottawa's Center for Students with Disabilities nixed the practice due to concerns over its potential for cultural appropriation the classes later resumed awesome that's great to hear um, now for those unfamiliar with the latest strains of ca campus madness cultural appropriation is roughly defined as the abduction 
of various forms of art, food, or general traditions from a minority culture that has experienced oppression or colonization or cultural genocide at the hands of our dominant Western society, and lest we forget, without the expressed permission from our aforementioned minority culture. How exactly that permission is to be procured remains somewhat of a mystery. However, for instance, one, uh, one would secure permission from the Egyptian culture of, say, 5000 BC. Um, if you're previously unfamiliar with all of this, you are hardly alone, but fortunately for all of us, um, the reconsiders of multiculturalism are tirelessly manning the conning towers of social justice these days, scanning the horizons for even the slightest disturbance that might be interpreted as cultural appropriation, and this they have not been disappointed. Everything from various forms of dress, dance, religion, language, Halloween costumes, Legends, food, music, medicines, even canoes have made the ever-expanding list of unacceptable plundering. And who gets to decide exactly what is and what is not cultural appropriation? Why, it's the intellectual wonder kinds at places like the University of Ottawa, along with, of course, their academic mentors. Is this nonsense? You bet it is. Uh, before we go too along, let's make it clear that yoga, like meditation and many other teachings of the Eastern spiritual traditions, was not appropriated at all, but willfully exported over a period of decades by the very marginalized societies the cultural appropriations claim to know so well. The sad truth is cultural appropriations know almost nothing of the history or cultures they have reduced to almost cartoon-like characterizations. Indeed, these Eastern practices and teachings were not exported because anyone had placed a gun to the side of Eastern culture, but because they were presumed to be of value to the world at large by their Eastern practice practitioners. Um, so yeah, I feel like this is ridiculous. Uh, you have uh, white people practicing yoga. This university decided that it was cultural appropriation. And this thing about cultural appropriation is, I feel like it's ridiculous, you know. Earlier this, you know, last year, Halloween, you always have um, people who are worried about Halloween costumes. And there was this huge thing on, I forget, this other university where this uh, dean or uh, an administrator or someone um, who's part of the faculty sent an email who bas they basically said, you know, we shouldn't worry about Halloween costumes and offensive Halloween costumes. You know, you have... Halloween costumes that dress up like, you know, someone Middle Eastern or a Mexican or this or that. And, of course, all the kids on the university freaked out and, you know, demanded her to resign or whatever. Um, uh, I just think it's ridiculous, you know, like this article is pointing out, these practices and these things, if someone adopts a culture, it's because they enjoy it. And they, you know, it's not because white people or the, you know, the white patriarchy and the white supremacist conspiracy that these people claim to believe in are taking cultures and stealing things. It's like we all share cultures. China and Japan and these Asian countries, they steal so much of what's from the West. And American people or Western people, they're not out here saying like, oh, you know, these these Japanese and these Chinese, they're stealing our culture it's like why do you, why do you feel like that or you have you know black people who tell 
white people they can't wear dreadlocks and they can't wear mm -hmm. they yeah. can't wear uh, cornrows because that's cultural appropriation it's like okay so yeah when you straighten your hair you're not appropriating you know uh, white people culture like no that's it's fucking ridiculous you know so I think this is a topic like cultural appropriation I feel like it's I hate I hate hearing that like that's so stupid mm -hmm. these people are like standing up for you know wanting to like they had the the lift driver who, um, you know, they, they, they feel some sort of great social justice that they want to stand up for, you know, this minority culture and the great white man is, you know, taking away things from society. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah and it's all, it's all virtue signaling. It's all, you know, it's all trying to, like, feel superior and show that, you know, they're defending these cultures. Oh, my God, I'm such a great person. And it's like, who are you defending? You know, you like you had the lift. No one's offended. No one is offended. Yeah, you have the and and the small minority are offended. We're not going to focus on you. We're not going to focus on the small minority who are offended. We don't we don't cater society to people who are offended. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, people need to you know like fuck off with your feelings. Like if uh -huh. you're offended, move on. If your biggest the world shouldn't censor for your comfort zone. Yeah, and if if, if you're offended by something, turn the other way. You know, and if 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 a Halloween costume or a hula doll. Or someone wearing cornrows and dreads—if that's a—if that—if that's bothering you, you have bigger issues in your life. Mm -hmm. You have bigger problems. Obviously, you're just trying to stand up for people who are not even offended. You're trying to be offended on other people's behalf, yeah. you know. And that's—it's bullshit. I hate this, you know. Um, like I was saying, you have—you have this girl, um, this woman who, uh, she was like freaking out on a Lyft driver because she had—he had a Hawaiian doll in his car, and he's like. And she's like, oh, my God, aren't you, aren't you, like, uh, you know, you don't even care about the Hawaiian people who were, like, pillaged or something or their land was stolen. It's like, lady, what the fuck are you talking about? You mm -hmm. know, it, it's so ridiculous. So I just think that's crazy. I feel like 2017, like, the we need to talk about this. We need to end yeah. culture appropriate. We, we need, need to, to end, that, end that, hate culture and... Um, where people, like you're saying, the same way what you're saying, people see memes or whatever's going on and they just get super mad, super offended, all driven by it. But it's like, oh, we have just don't take things too seriously. We have an outrage culture yep. and we have people who, all because look, of the internet, because of the internet, and people look for things to be offended, yep. you know, and. If someone, there's people out there, there's professional trolls, people who are, yeah. you know, use the internet and use the media to offend you and you outraging because of it, you're giving them exactly what they want, you know? So it's like, yeah, you're, 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 you're the cause of this. You're the cause of all of this, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I never want to hear this word again. You know, like I said, people... Uh, get offended if you wear like a Native American garb if you know you wear like the chief, you know, like uh, Headwear and you know the headwear and the robes and stuff like Hillary Duff posted a picture with her boyfriend or her oh, no, it husband. Was her Halloween costume. Yeah, she posted her Halloween costume and everyone and all these offended fucking idiots were on Twitter like saying that she's a bigot and she's like culture appropriating and it's like Dude, shut the fuck up. And what's worse about it is, yeah, she came out and apologized. She gave in. If I was her, I wouldn't I wouldn't apologize. I would have posted more pictures and said, "No. This is not cultural appropriation. Like get the fuck out of here." Yeah. You know, this 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 needs to end. So, but next topic here, 
this is a pretty interesting. So I wanted to talk about bullying because recently in Missouri, uh, students who bully um, now can be charged with a felony. Students in Missouri who bully others at school could face criminal charges under a new state law that considers the infliction of emotional distress a felony. Educators worry that the new definition of harassment as a crime, part of uh, Missouri's criminal code, could draw police and the courts into situations that are commonly considered school disciplinary matters. Mm. This in turn can lead to more students facing serious legal repercussions and even jail time for school misconduct. Mm -hmm. This crime was not written with children in mind, said uh, Susan Goldammer, a lawyer with the Missouri School Board Association. The mandatory reporting laws have forced school districts to apply this to children, which is going to be really hard. The nation's public schools have worked years to reduce police involvement in student misbehavior because many educators believe that children who face legal jeopardy for classroom incidents are less likely to learn from their mistakes and are far more likely to be incarcerated later on in life, what is known as the school-to-prison pipeline. The Obama administration has focused on reducing the criminalization of school-based incidents and has urged students to cut back on suspensions and expulsions in an effort to keep students on a path toward graduation. In Missouri, schools are required to report certain crimes to the police. That doesn't mean all children who violate the law will be charged as adults, but it can trigger a response from the juvenile justice system. A change in state law which went into effect this week elevates harassment from a misdemeanor offense to a felony. Harassment previously was defined in six, uh, six specific ways, including making threats, repeated unwanted communication. Under the new law, harassment is broadly defined as any act that causes emotional distress, yeah. which is extremely vague. Emotional distress can mean- A uh, fight between two kids. Uh, that can mean anything to anyone, uh, to any kid. Um, while schools or a fight, right? An argument in the class. Someone who. Well, they're specifically talking about, you know, kid. It's not just fight. It's like kids who are like, you know, now we have cyberbullying. Kids who are like bullied even when they go home. You know, now I feel like bullying has always been around, but yeah. it's it's even different now. And it, you have it, yeah, it was amplified. Yeah, it was amplified because now kids they go home and you, you before you, when we didn't have the internet we didn't have phones we didn't have social media you were able to escape that bullying by going home but now kids can't escape that like they get cyber bullied which yeah. is crazy i mean you have kids killing themselves over cyber bullying and it's like it's 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 a it's a it's a it's an iffy topic so let me finish here um, school, while schools take bullying and other misbehaviors seriously, uh, Goldhammer said it is worrisome that educators now must call police when a child is in emotional distress. I agree. That's part of school, Goldhammer said. Part of growing up is knowing how to deal with stressful situations. Under the new law, if a student inflicts an injury on another student, that now can be considered felony assault. That change has received the most attention in Missouri because two school districts sent out warning message, messages to parents about it. Amy Fight, president of the Missouri Association of Prosecuting Attorneys, said that the new law actually makes it less likely that school altercations will be considered felonies because the changes eliminated a provision that made any assault on school property a felony. 
The Prosecutors Association pushed for the criminal code revisions and the changes to the harassment language were not aimed at to address school bullying. Prosecutors could use the law against school bullies, but said it would be rare. We are most likely to see this in settings of domestic violence. And then uh, there's a little final thing here. Tina Myers' 13-year-old daughter Megan committed suicide in 2006 after she endured cyberbullying from adults, and Meyer has since become a staunch anti-bullying advocate in Missouri. Meyer said it is appropriate to characterize harassment as repeatedly trying to cause someone emotional harm, but she believes schools should be trying to address why students bully others through social and emotional supports, not through the legal system. If that's the case, then yes, we want to make sure there are consequences, but a felony? I don't think a felony is the answer. The state revisions also changed the definition of assault, which led to at least two school districts warning parents that school fights can also lead to felony charges. Um, in a YouTube video, su uh, school superintendent Joseph Davis, Davis warned students that fighting in schools can now cause students to have criminal records. He says, let me be clear, the consequences of poor choices and bad decisions, a simple fight may follow you for the rest of your life. The school system later published a clarification on its website saying that the intent of the video was to keep students and parents informed. We are working with law enforcement and attorneys to be certain that we will understand the changes to the law. So the reason I want to bring this up is um, I just want to talk about bullying. Bullying, I feel like everyone, you know, growing mm -hmm. up, going to school. It's normal. We all go through it was bullying. Just at the the, yeah, because, you know, and it's hard. You have. So, my question to you is yeah, you have this mom, her 13 year old daughter, Megan, committed suicide because of cyberbullying from adults. Um, and her case is not unique, where you also have other girls, other kids, excuse me who commit suicide because of cyberbullying, bullying usually it's from school, students at school. What do you do for those kids? I mean, what can you do? What do you think? I have no idea. I mean, start teaching classes about it. They're already doing that. You know? They do that already. I mean, in school didn't they already talk to you about bullying and yes but what I'm talking about is did you ever learn in school self-love because sometimes in homes you never learn that so maybe it's time we start learning self-love because if you don't love yourself you can't love anyone else and a lot of times these kids are projecting the hate they feel inside you know Oh, most of the time that's what they're doing oh yeah that's what i'm saying so maybe it's time that the you know school schools you know in the districts like everyone just i don't know adds a class or something or beginning of the year i don't know like just but there's already so much that you know kids have to go to school they got to learn so many topics you don't think that's something that should be taught at home no like like how i mean i really don't think that's something does, that should be taught at home but the school because kids go to school full time you know and that's something that is valuable that kids could use throughout their lives like that but, girl she ended her life at 13 if if kids were learning about self-love 
even if she was being bullied, if she was taught self-love, she wouldn't have committed suicide because she would at least be able to have that background knowledge and that still be able to think of herself in a different way. You know what I mean? Not just end her life. Well, so I mean, I, I feel. Well, I mean, I feel like you know, each case is different. Me personally, I don't know what you could do in that situation. Even if we were to somehow implement what you're talking about, you know, some people will also say like, "Oh, well, why is the school like taking care of the parents' jobs?" You know, like you don't you don't think that's something parents should do? Like, yes, the school but do? then again, right? Parents should also teach their kids about sex. But no, schools. They, you know, teach teach about sex, teach about what's happening, what's, you know, about life. So that's how I see it. I see it as if you're in school, then you're there to prepare you for life. You know, you're there to prepare yourself for life. The teachers, you know, whoever's there influencing you, they're preparing you for life. That's how I see it. Like, yeah, parents could teach them, but parents, they're at work full time. You know, so if there's a job, if there's a teacher, that that's their job. So if they could make the these classes, somehow add these classes and have these teachers that learn and dedicate to teaching self-love, maybe, I think maybe there could be a change. Maybe there could be a difference. You know, we've seen a lot of teachers make a difference. Re- recently, I don't know if you've seen, um, I've seen a video where the kid, he was trying to fight. He was trying to freak out. And the teacher was calming him down. And he was like, look, breathe. Breathe. Look, re- look at me. You're right here. You're right here right now. Walk out. Take a break. And then he literally, he chilled out. The teacher helped him out. He walked outside. And those are the things I'm talking about when it comes to self-love. Self-love is not just like, you know, meditation. You know, no, it's learning how to deal with your own emotional problems. You know, so these kids, they have these emotional problems, but they're, they don't know. They don't know, you know, how to react. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to go for help. So if they're, you know what I mean? Like if there was a class that's teaching you to be vulnerable, to open up, and to learn about self-love and learn to practice those but things, you don't think, maybe that could make a difference. But you don't think that's already giving like more work to teachers? Like A teacher has to... Not if there's one class specifically for that. Like there is for health. Like there is for PE. Don't you think that emotional health, mental health, is just as important as physical health? Of course. So, you see what I mean? Yeah. We are in, right now, our society is hurt. You know, we need healing. We need healing. You know, like I said, yeah, the internet has turned into the hate culture. Everyone's just hating. Everyone's just mad. Everyone's too serious. You know, so maybe in schools, they can implement these little exercises where kids can learn to love, learn to laugh, learn to let go. I mean, that would be cool. A lot of the crap you learn at school, kids are not interested in. Kids are not going to use in life. You know, so they go to school. They don't want to go to school. You know what I mean? So if there's some classes like that 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 bring them value and that they're interested in, like there is, you know, like I said, marketing classes. Marketing classes, uh, a lot of those kids now, they have those marketing classes. They're learning about social media. They're interested. They're hella interested in that, you know? So I, I that's how I see it. 
I, you know, I've heard this before too from other people, you know, that think like that. So I think it would make a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy though how this school board is actually charging, they think, you know, they're charging students with a felony because they bully. I feel like, I just feel like we also need to teach kids that you need to learn how to deal with a bully. You know, I feel like, remember that video of that kid, like you have that viral video of that boy who is like getting punched by the bully and then he picked him up and like slammed him on the ground exactly. and like the whole internet and everybody had like huge positive reaction and congratulated him um, because he stood up to the bully. He mm -hmm. fought back and I feel like that's th more things we need to do not to not to always fight back but if you're getting bullied if you're getting picked on you need to fight back you need to show some thick skin yep. i feel like that's a natural part of like evolution like yeah. like part of like humans like we're animals like that's part of like you know like dealing with like groups and like social situations yeah. you know is learning how to defend yourself especially at that age mm -hmm. you need to learn how to do that so you know, I remember when I was, you know, I used to get bullied because I'm freaking hairy. Look at me, I'm, I'm freaking hairy. And I was go in middle school, like sixth grade. I remember like my legs were like really hairy and my arms and they would make, all the kids would make fun of me that I was hairy. Like every day, every day they would make fun of me. Like no day would go by where that, that they would have a comment and that shit would like bring me down. That shit would like make me depressed. And then... I was like, you know what? Like one day I, I shaved like my hair off, like my legs and my arm and I went to school and then they made fun of me even more. They were like clowning on me. Like, oh my God, you did this and you're gay because you did that. Oh my God. That's what they you said to me. you shave your leg too? Yeah. I shaved my legs and my arms because I thought they would stop making fun of me. I, th I thought they would like, like chill the fuck out. I just wanted them to, to like not say anything, you know? But I feel like after that happened, I feel mm -hmm. like, no, I feel like after that happened, that's when I learned that they're going to make fun of me no matter, no what. matter what. So I just got to learn to deal with it. And I feel like I got a tougher skin and that like gave me like a different perspective and that made me grow. And I feel like that was good for me to go through that. And many other kids too. I feel like I'm not saying all bullying is good, but when you stand up to a bully, like if you... If they're picking on you, if you stand up to them, I've been in that situation too, where I had to stand up for myself, and that makes you feel better. That you know, that shows the bully that you know not to fuck with you, and not to mess with you. And some kids should be taught how to do that. And yeah. you know. Well, that's why I was saying about that class about self love because you learn that not everyone's gonna accept you, and you have to give yourself like a chance you know you have to forgive yourself you have to love yourself because yeah other people are not going to accept you so that's specifically why i say that because not everyone's going to react like you not everyone's going to react like me you know what i mean mm -hmm. so that's why yeah that's why i think it's important yeah so you know obviously people want to people want a solution especially for these kids i feel like i i never remember Especially and nowadays you have these stories and these instances of You know kids committing suicide like 15 years old 13 years old 14 years old um, You know there was a girl who was nine years old committed suicide because of uh, cyber bullying it's like 
I don't know, like, I can't wrap my head around that, and I just can't believe, like, something like that happens, you know, it's just crazy, mm-hmm. so, um, well, let me see here, moving on, this next video, <laughs> I wanted to show you, because I, there's an, no, there's an, there's two more, here. but there's, a uh, no, there's a there's this uh, video I wanted to show to you and I wanted us to react to it together. When using the toilet in Japan, you start by choosing a toilet seat. There are two types of toilet seats: oh, yeah. the traditional Japanese style and the Western style. <laughs> Today, we will introduce how to wipe your bottom when using a Japanese style toilet. Which is healthier for you. The one you wipe from the front is called the elephant style. The one you wipe from the back is called the horse tail style. <laughs> These are only examples, and we recommend women can't do style from the front though. The Not if you're using number two. Next is how to oh. use a shower. Many Western style toilets in Japan have showers. It's for cleaning your bottom after you finish your business. Please be aware these showers should not be used to wash your hands. There are several techniques to use this shower function properly and sufficiently. The tornado. <laughs> the grind. Oh. The float. I'm the done. <laughs> well, that's true. You have to wash it. Clean your smartphone. There are also place to clean one's smartphones. Smartphones are said to carry more than five times the germs found on a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. Several bathrooms inside the Narita airport have a toilet paper just for smartphones. With this, you can clean your smartphone screen. Using it is easy. First, take the amount of paper you need. Fold it up and clean your smartphone screen thoroughly. After you're done, you can flush it away. On this paper, you can find information on Wi-Fi and a travel guide app, which has a voice translation function provided by Docomo. What did you think? So ends our instructions on some ways of using Japanese toilets. With a fresher you and a fresher smartphone, have a nice day in Japan. Oh my god, can we go to Japan now? Sure, but isn't that crazy how now they have freaking smartphone toilet paper to like clean your smartphone? Like that's how much like integrated it's like in our lives now. Isn't that pretty crazy? Dude, I believe it. Because, yeah, it's very dirty. It's always in your hand. What do you expect? It's going to be as dirty as your hands. Well, yeah. Like, isn't, like, don't, like, like everybody use, like, their smartphone, like, when they're on the toilet? Like, isn't there, yes, like, that? Yes, because it's the new magazine. It's the new book. It's whatever you're doing, you're doing on your phone. Well, there's, like, that popular meme, like, that Michael Jackson face when he's, like, because it's, like, when you for- go to use the toilet and you forget your phone. Yeah. So, it's, like, you're just sitting there. <laughs> I just feel like that's yeah. you, mostly you. That's everybody. No, not that's, me. That's everybody. Okay, most people. Most and people. And you, not me. Yeah, sure, you can claim that, but that's everybody. Everybody know, does that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like as a whole. So I, while you're there, you're not gonna use it. You're gonna clean it. I'm just saying, like as a society, like that's how it is in Japan. They're the first ones. You know, like the reason we have waterproof smartphones. The Japanese were the first people to do that really? because. Yeah, and it was because they specifically wanted to be able to use the smartphone when you're in the shower or taking a bath. 
because they're so connected to technology and like their phone. Wow. So they were the first ones to invent that and it was for that specific reason. And that's why, you know, that's going to become the norm. That's going to become normal. All phones soon are just all going to be waterproof and, you know, they're the first ones to adopt that. And do you think do you think America and the West it's ever going to have smartphone toilet paper? Yes, because you're going to go into the bathroom and the you're going to, you know, after you wipe your butt, after you, you know, people, like after you've, t- you've wiped yourself or a lot of times other toilets like this, like the ones they were showing, you have to wash yourself. You know, like that's something they didn't show. You do wipe on the other one, but you also rinse some of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. The ones that don't have the spray, you also rinse because those... Some of them, they have, like, a bucket of water on the side. So you also rinse. So, yeah, it's going to get pretty dirty, whatever you're doing in there. And you have your phone in your hand, like you're saying everyone does. So it just makes sense. And now people are just going to go in the bathroom and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to just wipe my ass. I'm going to wipe my phone, too. <laughs> That's I'm going to clean my phone. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's I a d- good thing. Yeah. Well... That's what I'm saying. I feel like it's going to be, it's crazy because, yeah, that's becoming normal now and, like, the normal thing, like, like smartphone toilet paper, like, that's what everyone's going to have in the future. You that's know? why I don't take j- my phone with me because I just don't want that to become normal. I mean, I do sometimes, but I don't always. Well, I feel like Japan, like I said, Japan, they're the first ones, they're always the first ones in technology and the first ones, like, in innovations because... Yeah, they were the first ones to invent uh, waterproof smartphones and water-resistant smartphones, and then everyone has that now. And like, yeah, they're they're the ones who had freaking Wi-Fi information on the the um, paper, and then you can use it to wipe your smartphone. And I feel like, yeah, in a couple of years, that's probably what's gonna be, you know, that's probably what's gonna wanna be everywhere in every country, you know. Wow. It's pretty crazy. Crazy. All right, so. Just- freaking crazy one final topic here i wanted to go over um this is kind of an old uh thing but basically uh, a couple days ago there was a uh there was a uh a, a, a mentally handicapped um white guy who was kidnapped for two days um by four black people in chicago they were live streaming um, they were live streaming, uh, torturing this guy. Basically, they scalped him. They made him drink toilet water, tied him up, and while they I were heard about this, yeah. So they were live streaming, and the whole time they were saying uh, they said like "fuck white people," "fuck Donald Trump," um, and uh, the only reason I wanted to cover this is for a specific reason. Okay, is uh. Because everyone's talking about this, this is, you know, this is going viral, this is, you know, everyone's talking about this, this is the topic of the day, so I wanted to approach this in a a unique way. So, you have some people, you have a lot of liberals, you have a lot of uh, leftists who refuse to say that this is a hate crime, even though if the roles were reversed and this was four white people kidnapping one black person and torturing them, streaming it on Facebook Live, saying fuck white people, or excuse me, saying fuck black people, and using racial slurs, no one would hesitate to that to say that was racist and that that was a hate crime. But now that the roles are reversed, 
you know, you have this narrative that's being driven by the mainstream media and by people saying that black people can't be racist. And because of that, they don't want to label this as a hate crime. And they're only doing it because of, uh, they're only doing it because he's mentally handicapped. Um, I wanted to play this clip. There's this lady here, Simone Sanders on CNN. Uh, I wanted to play her comments on this uh, event. And then I was going to react to another uh, Facebook post by someone else um, with a different view. But basically, I wanted to show this here. So this is absolutely sickening, but I'm going to say something that's probably not very popular. We cannot callously go about classifying things as a hate crime. Motive here matters. So was this for hate of Donald Trump? Uh, the president-elect because of the things that he has said, or was this for pure hate of white people? That matters because if we start going around and anytime someone says something or does something really egregious, really bad and sickening in this instance in connection with the president-elect um, or Donald Trump or even President Obama for that matter because of their political leanings, mm -hmm. that is slippery territory. That is not a hate crime. Hate crimes are because of a person's racial ethnicity, their religion, their gender, a disability. It is your political leanings because someone doesn't like your political okay. leanings and they do something bad to you. That is not a but hate Alice, crime. But Alice, even hate crimes, aren't all hate crimes motivated by stupidity? All right, so basically this woman, in her own words, says that a hate crime is because of racial um, identity um, she wants to just focus on what when they said fuck Donald Trump and not fuck white people. So they literally said fuck white people. It was about race, and you you said it yourself, Simone. You said it yourself that this was about race, and you're not you know this is, oh this we can't have a slippery slope because it's not about political leanings. It's not. You're right. It's not about political leanings. They said fuck white people. So ended the discussion. It is about race. Or are we still trying to stick to this narrative that black people can't be racist? Because yeah. you're spouting this thing that telling black people and you telling black people that they can't be racist, oh, because racism is power plus prejudice. And because of that, um, white people, they're the ones in power. So black people, they don't have power. They can't be racist. And it's like point number one, when you say that to some black people, okay, so if, if they're prejudiced, that that makes them they that tells them that it's okay to be prejudiced or okay to be racist when you actually use the right definition so you're telling people that it's okay listen so you're telling them it's okay to be prejudiced and then you're 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 making people to be more racist by doing that you don't think so you know and you have people on the internet who are saying like, oh, this white guy deserved it. Black people, they've been enslaved for 500 years and we've been kidnapped. And it's like this racial identity about, and it's like, this is one individual guy. My second point is what power does a mentally handicapped white person have over four black people who are kidnapping him and torturing him? Oh, I'm sure that they have all the power in that situation. You wanna talk about power? You, I'm sure he. They, that's power plus prejudice. Yeah, if you want to use your little roundabout definition, that's power plus prejudice that people are using against this man. And because of that, um, you have the mainstream media like CNN, like, oh, on eggshells, not wanting to say this is a hate crime. But when the roles would reverse, freaking, we'd have riots. We would have so many things. And it's like, you know, this this is bullshit. And 
you know, this lady, Simone Sanders, she'd be ashamed of herself for saying this. She'd be ashamed for herself for trying to, you know, I think Don Lemon also said that this is not a hate crime. And, uh, you know, what about these kids upbringing? Da, 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 da. I wanted to read this uh, Facebook post by uh, Montel Williams. He actually said, because um, they actually were officially charged with a hate crime. Um, I hope, you know, they get what's coming to them for doing this. But he said, uh, life in prison, no parole, uh, referring to the guys, the people who did this. I'm not interested in whether these kids had a tough life, whether their parents loved them enough. I don't care. Whether this is a hate crime is a distraction and, irre and irrelevant. This is the cold-blooded torture of an innocent human being. That's bigger than a hate crime. It's bigger than racism. And he also adds, saying fuck white people is racist by definition. It's bigger than politics. Life in prison, no parole. If you can do this to another human being once, you can't be trusted to not do it again. My prayers go out to the young man in this disgusting video. So, do you want to watch the video? Sure. I don't want to watch it. You know, I feel like if you want to watch it, you know, we can watch it off air later. But okay. anyone watching, anyone seeing this, anyone listening. It's not you, good, so I don't want to watch it. Yeah, you can go watch it yourself. It, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. You have these four people um, torturing. They scalped this man. When I say scalped, you know, they cut his head. Um, you know, the, the point, they made him drink toilet water. Um, basically, they're just humiliating this dude. They also got a hold of his phone and was... Uh, texting his parents and saying like basically blackmailing them and saying like oh yeah we have your son da 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 like truly horrific grotesque shit that anyone needs to be condemned and i feel like race tensions are at an all-time high and we're told that color blindness is not the way to solve racism how is it not why can we like look past race and stop saying that black people can't be racist and you know treating people you know having this anti-white bigotry where oh if, we, if someone does something towards a white person it's okay because they're white and they've been privileged and it kind of is downplayed no we need to look we need to look at racism um with all races the same way if someone does something and it's because of their race i don't give a shit if it's a black person doing it to a white person a white person doing it to a black person it should all be equal not because of some history, um, you know, we excuse some people because of their privilege. And, you know, what privilege does this uh, mentally handicapped guy who's kidnapped in the streets of Chicago, what privilege does this guy have in that situation? Nothing, you oh, know? Oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very tough video to watch. Basically, Simone Sanders should be ashamed of herself. Yeah. Anyone who downplays this, anyone who makes this racial and says that this guy deserves it and oh my god black people have been stolen from their land and we've been kidnapped and our babies were kid you weren't kidnapped you know you're living in the past you're excusing like history to justify something like this why can't we go out and say why can't people go out and say this is wrong despite race why can't we look past race that's how racism ends when we finally able to look past race and judge people individually based on their actions mm -hmm. you know and simone sanders like i said she'd be freaking ashamed of herself i don't know she's on cnn cnn is a fucking awful network obviously for having her you know there's other people who have 
you know, the same narrative, the same fucked up mindset like she does. And we should praise more people like Montel Williams, who is also African-American, is saying himself, saying fuck white people is racist by definition. Yes, thank you. That's true. It's bigger than politics. It's bigger than racism. Because, yeah, when we don't look at race, we can see that four people are torturing this dude and we can, you know, condemn them and not care about the skin color. When we not, when we stop looking at skin color and look at people's individual actions and not their historical context of their skin, that's when we end racism. That's when we can look past racism and be a bigger society. And I thought we were going towards that way, but obviously we're not mm-hmm. with, with social media and you know the bullshit I'm seeing about this. So, did you have any opinion on it? No, you covered everything. Yeah. I hate that. That's ugly. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see this... I don't. I don't think I do. Yeah, I I watched this earlier today. I don't really want to watch it again. Like Mm. I said, it's pretty much all over mainstream media on CNN. All these news, you know, channels, they're plastering it all over. So anyone who's watching this or listening, if you want to watch it, go ahead. You can just search, you know, four people, torture, white man, and you can see what's going on. So... That's pretty much it. That's my opinion on it. I just wanted to praise praise someone like Monta Williams and his Facebook post. And this is an opinion. This is this should be the this this should be the message that's claimed by everyone. We need to condemn everyone based on their individual actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't give a shit about your upbringing. You know, there's you know there was this one. I think Don Lemon on CNN. He was he was also saying like. Oh, we don't know these kids' upbringing. We don't know if they had a tough life. And, you know, all kids, you know, commit accidents um, every day. Or, you know, when you were a kid, you committed an accident. Excuse me. Kidnapping somebody, torturing them on live Facebook video, that's not an accident. There's no justification for that. You commit the crime. You do an action. You fuck up. You should be tried for it. I don't care what your upbringing is. I don't care if you, you know, where you come from. That doesn't justify your actions ever, ever. So that's all I wanted to say about this. Um, so, yeah. But that's the last article um, or that's the last topic. But if you guys enjoyed listening, um, please subscribe to the channel. Follow us on SoundCloud. I'll have our social media links on our, in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. And uh, please subscribe. We're going to have more live videos, um, more live shows going out like this. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. See you next time.